Hi, my name is Ronald Onyang. I am a climate activist from Uganda. I am originally from Lira district, located in northern part of Uganda, but currently uh, staying in Kampala. I am the founder of uh, Green Investment Movement. So Green Investment Movement was founded by Ronald in order to raise awareness around investments made in Africa with a negative impact on the environment. And they also work proactively to shed lights on positive investments. We're also looking at using this platform to accept the investment that will help Africans to adapt to climate change. I met Ronald in Kampala, Uganda in the beginning of March, pre-COVID lockdown and corona quarantine. And he took the time to share his inspiring journey of how he came to find climate activism and how he, through his experiences, came to understand climate impact and how he today aims to contribute in a positive movement. What inspired me into climate activism has been my story. When I was 10 years old, that was way back in 2003, my village was hit by a severe rain, the kind of rain I'd never seen in my life, the kind of rain that surprised everybody. We were inside the house and it was really raining severely outside and it rained for so many hours. After the rainfall stopped, we came out and I saw my father moving straight to his garden. But I thought he was going to, to watch the flood that was roaring like we stay next to the ocean but he was actually moving to his garden. I also quickly followed him to his garden, but after reaching the garden, my father put his hands on his head and I saw my father shedding tears. I also shed tears too, because it was my first time seeing my father shedding tears. My father, was a maize farmer and a banana farmer. And the flood washed everything. We couldn't see any green plant in our maize garden. Agriculture is the main source of income for approximately 70% of the Ugandan population. And this is also true for large parts of Africa. But thank God that uh, the World Food Program came in and supported people with some food items. But also along the way, the kind of severe rainfall continued that, that year. But nobody bothered about it. People used to say, why is God punishing them? Severe rain, it's actually caused by God. So nobody bothered about it. People could only go to church and pray about it. And then the same year, in 2003, my sub-region of Lango was hit by the Lord Resistant Army. 
one of the rebels that stayed in northern part of Uganda for about 20 years. In my village, we could hear about the actions or what the rebels used to do. But in 2003, they came up to our village. My family was forced to internally displaced from village to town to Lira town. And then we started a new life from there. But as we were staying in town, the severe rain continued. But nobody bothered about the severe rain because there were more things to bother them. People were living in IDP camps. People were being abducted by the rebels. People were being slaughtered. Houses were being burned. So this couldn't let anybody to think about the severe rain. A lot of people from my sub-region or my village were abducted by the Lord Resistant Army, including my uncle, whom up to now has never returned home. And then in 2005, when the rebels left our village, my father went back to the village and started uh, his farm again, uh, continued with his maize farming and then banana farming. But he never allowed us to go back with him to the village. He could tell us, you can now continue with your studies from, from town. But each and every time he could come back to town in the subsequent years, he could tell us that the kind of production he's getting from maize, from his maize production, is, is no more the same compared to some previous years. He told us the maize production was really dropping. But we never bothered about it because if you're a child, what you care about is seeing food on the table and you don't think about how food is brought into the house, so we never bothered about it. And then it reached some year that my father stopped banana farming, so he only now concentrated on the maize farming because there again came a severe drought that couldn't sustain banana farming, as banana farming needs a lot of rainfall, but the drought couldn't allow the banana farming to continue anymore. Unlike maize, Bananas are harder to grow. They grow best at a temperature of about 27 degrees. They need about 1,500 to 2,500 millimeters of rain per year, evenly distributed over the year. As the environment changes, conditions for agriculture change as well, which forces farmers to neglect or get rid of their high-yielding crops. Since my family had no more banana farm, we were only left with one farm, and that is maize farm. And yet these two farms used to be the main source of the family income. So um, 
I started seeing a lot of change in our family. Uh, we started uh, having shortage of some of the basic needs because we didn't have banana farm anymore. And each and every year, the family income was dropping. And then in 2011, I joined Senior 5, which is an advanced level of education in Uganda. The level which if you finish it, you can, you can then go to the university. In my Senior 5, I was in a classroom, a geography lesson. And then I heard about our geography teacher telling us about climate change. That was my first time hearing the word climate change. But the definition couldn't allow me to link climate change with what was happening in my family and what was happening in my village. Again, also that year, lucky enough, I joined a club called Educate. Educate trains students on social leadership and entrepreneurship. And then in one of the meetings, our mentor talked to us about climate change. And this was the second time I'm hearing about the word climate change. But our mentor explained climate change into details this time. She explained deeply to the extent that I was for the first time able to link climate change to what was happening in my family. I was able to link climate change to the level of my father's maize production. I was in position to link climate change to the famine in my village. And that year, I made a pledge to my mentor that after finishing my advanced level, I would go back to my community and talk to the members about climate change. I signed up a pledge to go back and do something in my vacation. There came the vacation. I forgot about what I had pledged. I just enjoyed the vacation. I never even thought about something to do with climate change. But there was a lot of things happening. I could hear people dying due to severe droughts. Uh, because of famine in the neighboring districts like Soroti, uh, Nakapiripirit, Kotido. And I could hear villages being washed away by severe rainfall. These two things never stopped. And then after my vacation in 2013, I joined Gulu University for my bachelor's. And I enrolled for a uh, business administration uh, while specializing in marketing. I really enjoyed being at the university just like any other student. And then the problem came in my second year. In my first semester, my father told me that I may not be in position to support your university because I may not be in position to raise tuition. 
When my father told me this, I thought my father was joking. So I just continued because at that time, our university could allow you to study and maybe pay your tuition when you're almost um, going for exams. So when it was two weeks to exams, I asked my father that I have to go and pay tuition and get registered. My father told me, I remember I told you that I don't have money to support your university education anymore. And besides, your siblings were also, um, at least for you, you're already at the university and if anything is to happen, you can be in position to sustain yourself. And there's nothing I can do. I cried. I really cried. Because what I thought was a joke this time was the reality of what is going to happen to me. I cried because I couldn't see myself not finishing my education. I cried because there was no any other person I could rely on for tuition. I cried for one week, one full week. Welcome back. Let's hear how Ronald managed to get back from these seven days. On the seventh day at night, I just asked myself that up to when will I stop crying? Up to when will I be like this? And then something just popped in my mind that you remember you had made a pledge, you had made a pledge to address what this time caused you to drop out of the school. But you didn't do something about it. When I thought about this, from nowhere, I started becoming happy. I woke up in the morning and everybody was surprised that you were crying yesterday, but you are happy now. I was happy because I'd found a solution. I was happy because I knew what I was going to do to beginning to address climate change. I was going to be in position to help other young people like me not to drop out of the school because of climate change. And then immediately that week, I started going to schools. So Ronald took the initiative and started visiting schools in his local area and eventually started venturing out to other schools close to the village where he was raised. After a while, his friends got inspired enough and joined in to help with spreading the message. And his group of friends with a passion for the climate were growing what would soon be a green movement. One of the things why I was going to schools to talk to students, I wanted them to be the ambassadors of climate action. I wanted them to go and talk to their families and how their family can help in mitigating so that they who are at school shouldn't drop out of the school, just like I dropped out of the university. So I formed Go Green Clubs in so many schools and the Go Green Clubs were really doing so well. Uh, pupils and students were being inspired and it reached a time whenever I could walk in the street in Lira Town, I could just hear somebody calling me, Go Green, Mr. Go Green. My name turned to be Mr. Go Green. So Go Green Clubs expanded in so many schools in Uganda. 
to the extent that I couldn't manage and I didn't know the name of the schools, but I could just hear people talking about them. I started the Climate Active Zoom in 2014 up to 2016. Within these two years, me, myself, there was nothing changed about me. I didn't even buy a trouser. I didn't even buy, not even a shirt. Nothing, completely nothing changed about me. And within these two years, my friends whom had left at the university were in position to finish their studies and they graduated. But there was nothing changed about my life. Within these two years, I went to so many various offices, including the local uh, government offices. But within these two years, I saw nobody, no concerned person coming to support what I was doing. I was stressed out. I said, why is it that I am bothering myself about this, but people are not bothering about what I'm doing? So I thought I was maybe doing something that is not serious. This thought kept on stressing me. In 2016, I was stressed up, seriously stressed, really, really, really so stressed up because of thinking about that. I got stressed up to the extent that I felt so sick. I felt so sick because I wasn't eating anymore. And my immunity went down and I was attacked by a serious malaria. While I was sick, I got, I became unconscious like for eight hours at night. When I woke up in the morning, the doctor told me that you are not going to die sooner because if you are to die, you are supposed to die at night. This thing again gave me a serious stress. And I told myself that I don't want to hear about anything to do with climate activism anymore. I cannot continue stressing myself over something that people are not caring about. I told my family that I was done with anything to do with climate change and I never ever want to hear about it again. Because if I begin to think about it, it will make me die at some point. That was in 2016. In 2017, an uncle of mine called me that, I think you have to go back to the university and complete your course. I asked him, I've stayed out of the university for two and a half years. How is it possible that the university will take me back? He just told me, just go and try your luck. And if I'm not taking you, we can see another way forward. Ronald went back to his university to ask to be admitted again. And he was about to not be accepted due to a technicality. And as he explained, he had to resort to telling a white lie to get through this bureaucracy. They asked me that, did you apply while you were leaving the university? Did you notify the university that you were leaving? Highlight 
highlight that I notified the university. I wrote a letter that I was going to withdraw, but in the actual sense, I didn't write a letter. And eventually, luckily, they accepted him back to pursue his studies. I could now continue with my studies. I was really, really extremely happy. So I went and started studying. And then it was last year, in June 2019, when I got done with my bachelor's of business administration uh, with specialization in marketing. And then this year in January, on the 11th, I got graduated. And that has really been a big achievement to me. I started looking for where I could volunteer or to get something I could do. I applied to so many companies and then uh, an insurance company in, in Kampala uh, called me for the interview. I did the interview and I went through and that's how I came to Kampala. So when I started working with this insurance company, uh, I would ensure that I'm always so early in the office, like before 8 a.m. Uh, because why I used to get so early? Uh, because I always love to watch the upcoming climate activists uh, who are making news all over the world. I used to watch Greta Thunberg. I used to watch Vanessa Nakata. I used to watch Lisi Priya of India and so many other climate activists that I used to follow them each and every time I could read an article about any of them or watch them speak. I would smile. I would really, really, really so smile and I would really be so happy. I'd be so happy because there were or there are already some people doing something about what I stopped doing on the way. I was really happy because I could see up for the future again. And I was happy because I was seeing that my my village and my sub-region would find a solution to climate change that is so much affecting them. These young activists really made me happy. There was one of the day in the morning, I showed my friends one of the videos when uh, Greta Thunberg was making a speech. And then my friends watch, my colleagues watch, and then one of them after watching the video asked me that, what does this lady want us to do? Does she want us to stop driving? What does she really want us to do? When I heard of that question, I was really touched. I thought the question was directed to me. When I heard of that question, I shed the tears inside me because I couldn't believe that my friends 
do not know what Greta Thunberg want them to do. My friends, whom I sit with them in the same office, don't know anything to do with climate change. It's what really touched me so much. I explained to them what Greta Thunberg wants them to do. And then after explaining, one of them asked that, this thing is so serious like this, then how comes the government is not doing anything about it? I told him that the government doesn't see climate change as something so urgent. It doesn't see climate change as something so pressing. The government sees climate change as something that will happen in future. But there are so many other pressing issues to be tackled than climate change. And those issues, those other pressing issues to be tackled than climate change is what the government sees as relevant right now. The government sees poverty as the most relevant problem affecting most Ugandans. But the government doesn't know that 70% of Ugandans are actual agriculturists. There are farmers that are being affected by climate change. The government doesn't know this, but the government is fighting poverty. It would actually be necessary to address poverty right from its root cause. And if the government is to address climate change and poverty, then the government is going to succeed in addressing poverty. That is what I told my friends. Another colleague again asked like, you seem to know a lot to do with climate change. I'm surprised that you're explaining all these things to us. So why can't you do something about it? What are you doing about it? That was another question that hit me seriously. And this time I couldn't hold it anymore. I just rushed straight to the washroom and shed tears from there because I couldn't hold it. And I couldn't answer that, that one anymore. I went home and thought about it the whole evening, the whole night. I have to help what Greta Thunberg's doing. I thought I have to help what Vanessa Nakata is doing, what Lisi Priya is preaching about, and so many other climate activists who are right there. And that is when I came up with an idea of, I need to come up with something that will be a platform where Africans can rise up and preach against the kind of investments that are not in support with the climate and speak to welcome any kind of investment that can make Africa promote climate action, help Africans adapt while reducing on the level of their poverty. The adaptation should also reduce on the level of income inequality. And that is how I came to start Green Investment Movement, a movement that is championing all this. With this newfound mission, it's actually the same mission, but a newfound strategy and a newfound um, direction. People listening to this that connect with your story and see your passion, 
and want to help, what is the best way of supporting this mission? The best way to support a green investment movement is by, uh, by first of all, listening to what green investment movement is crying out that should be done. Uh, green investment movement is saying Africa is no more accepting any kind of investment that will make it look like climate change promoter. But Africa is accepting any kind of investment that will make it be a climate change mitigator. The investment should make Africans to adapt to climate change to the extent that they should be in position to reduce on the level of their poverty. This is what green investment is crying out for people to do. And it's also saying that before making any investment in Africa, wherever part of Africa, any investor or any country that wishes to invest in Africa should think of green investment first and think of green economy in Africa because that is the only thing that will make Africa reduce on its vulnerability of being affected severely by climate change. That's beautiful and really powerful. And as I see it, you're going back to where you started with Go Green, but this time it's Go Green Investments. And you're still working and your movements have been really focused and targeted towards the bottom-up approach, working with the people. Now you took maybe a, a step up, working with people still and the, the individual investments, but you're on a more structural level. So while doing that, we need people working on the top-down approach and hopefully we'll meet there and they can place incentives for the green investments as well. And I think that's how we can start making larger steps towards a more sustainable future. Thank you very much. Thank you too. Yeah, we're about uh, a uh, 15 minutes from when you are to leave. Thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for asking me. I'm so happy we did this. So, you're still around? Until Sunday. <laughs>